Well, I'm going to hand over now um, to Morris Nightingale. Um, Morris is uh, one of the apostles as part of Relational Mission. That's uh, the family of churches that we're part of here at Life Church. And I've um, known Morris uh, for a long time, but really got to know him personally uh, in the last year, where he really, he's really encouraged me in my faith. He's really spoken um, real wonderful um, wisdom and uh, gospel truth into my life. And so I was so pleased that he was able to come and encourage us all as a church family uh, this morning. So um, why don't we welcome Morris and then I'll pray for him. (laughs) Father God, I just pray that you would bless us uh, as you speak through Morris. Thank you so much for um, the gift he is to me, uh, the gift he is to the churches, Lord. I just pray that you would build us up and bless us uh, as we hear from him this morning. Amen. 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 Good. What are we? Are we still morning? Good morning, everybody. Hey, you're there. Good. Hey, nice to be here and really encouraged just to see the life of God here in the church. Not been among you for a little while. And just wonderful worship and the sense of community. And uh, very, very encouraged to see life in Life Church. So that's really good. And. um, I mean, I've been involved with the church over quite a number of years. You know, back in the days when Dave Chapman was leading the team and he asked if we could find some, uh, he felt it was time for him to hand over to some younger leadership. And so we, uh, we worked together and we found Adam and Lorna and I was part of the, uh, the process of uh, bringing them across to join the team here and obviously very blessed by all that happened uh, under their care when they were among you and with you. And then Adam said that he could do with some more strength. So we, we sent Valtra and Simone over and grateful to God as well for their care and their involvement and investment in all that's been going on here. And I'm grateful to you for your generous hearts in releasing Adam and Lorna, who are now obviously leading our church over in Great Yarmouth and doing an amazing work over there and um, a real blessing and now obviously releasing Valter and Simone to the mission of God in the Netherlands. And they've been in this country for many, many years. And we just feel this is the time uh, for them and for the mission in the Netherlands, for them to really go and represent us in all of the wonderful ways that we know that they will do over in that mission. So I just want to thank you for your generous hearts uh, releasing and sending in that way. And then obviously we wanted to um, <clears throat> help you and strengthen you again uh, in terms of uh, the leadership of the church here. So I remember talking with Daniel Goodman and saying, you know, who, who do we see? Who do we think that uh, might be able to maybe strengthen things and help bring this church on uh, to uh, the next chapter of what God has? And um, uh, Daniel mentioned uh, Luke and Beth. And uh, so I sort of sounded them out. What, uh, what do we know about these, uh, these people? And Daniel said, well, if I was going to hand over the church, you know, the, the leadership of the team in Cambridge to anybody, I'd want to hand it over to, to Luke. So I thought, well, here we go. You know, Cambridge are sending you their best. Amen? So you're a blessed church. It's great to, it's, it's better to give than to receive, but as you have given generously, God is giving generously to you as well. So I'm very encouraged uh, by what is lying ahead of you. I think this is an important moment uh, for your church here. I think of this this building. I love this little building. Been coming to it for years, but uh, 
you know, you could get a bit pot bound in here. And uh, I know that you've been thinking and praying about this. So I just want to encourage you with a testimony. So we've just, obviously in Ipswich, we've taken on a building. We spent many years searching, could it be this building? Could it be that building? And uh, frustrating process, you know, leading the church in prayer, then a door was slamming our face and we'd have to start again. And then um, the local MP at the time, uh, Ben Gummer it was at the time, came to us and invited us to buy this cinema in the middle of the town. And when, when, when your local government asks you to buy a building, you think, okay, there might be something in this, you know? And the reason they wanted us to buy this building, I don't know if anybody of you have seen our new building, it's a converted cinema, sort of art deco. You'd never design a church like this building. It's, but everybody in Ipswich knows this building um, and all have their own stories of when they went there when it was a cinema and so on. And it's right in the middle of a, a particularly uh, needy area of the town. And the, the council said, we don't want this to be bought by a nightclub or by anybody else. We want a church to have this building because they're going to bring life to this part of the town. Isn't that great, yeah? You know, whatever you know, we have to face in terms of the way our culture is turning against the church, people still see. They see your good works and, and acknowledge your God. You know, and if they see that we I, I think this is one of the ways through for us, all the ethical dilemmas that we're facing, if people see that as a church, we are doing good, we are caring for the poor, we're looking out you know, for the least and the lost and the marginalised and so on, they, that earns credit for us, you know? So, um, you know, our testimony is that God made a way for us when we needed it. We were meeting twice on a morning, like you are here. But then uh, the, other, the other testimony, just to share with you, um, some of you may remember, when Adam and Lorna came to you, they came from a church in a town called Attleborough. So they'd been involved in planting the church in Attleborough, and then they came over and joined uh, the team here and handed things over to uh, Rob Turvert and the team in Attleborough, and they've been looking for a building, and they've just bought a plot, a building, okay? And this building is, uh, it was a paintbrush factory right in the centre of the town. I mean, you're talking, bang, all the housing and everything else goes around this plot. And it's got a couple of industrial buildings, one of which can be immediately repurposed, and they're gonna start meeting in it very, very soon. So they haven't had to spend an awful lot to actually prepare the building. But this site is six acres, all right? It's six, they are the biggest landowners in relational mission, probably one of the biggest landowners in New Frontiers. Six acres, they bought half the town, they're right in the middle of the town. Half, they've got a woodland with a herd of deer running through it. So, and on all of these buildings, and they paid 200,000 pounds. Let that sink in. All right. No one believes it. The bank can't believe it. When they get anybody together, the insurers wouldn't believe it. They say, no, surely, no. So the point is this, okay? God's on our side, all right? And he knows what you need. And if he puts it on your heart that you need a bigger home for your church here, he'll make a way for you. Right? He'll make a way for you. You might have to work for it because it actually getting... It's not about getting a building, it's about putting our faith and trust in God. And so what, I've been involved in a number of building projects. Buildings are not sanctuaries or special places. They are tools for a mission and they're a home for a family. 
and they serve the mission of God in a wonderful way. Uh, but actually, the process of getting a building is all about what God does in our heart in terms of trusting and faith and believing him for things that seem way beyond what we could ever imagine or afford or anything else like that. So I just want to encourage you because I think um, this is a moment for the church. I think I can really see that things can kick on here in the sense of really making an impact in this city and uh, building a beautiful model of what it means to shape our lives around the king here, you know, built on the, shaped by the word of God, full of the grace of God, with the, you know, shielded and, and inspired by the power of God, a family on a mission, you know, about a great work here. So uh, trust him, you know, if he puts it on your heart, he'll make a way for you in all of this. So I just want to encourage you in that. So I'm going to, um, uh, I want to encourage you today with a, a very simple message, um, <clears throat> but it is a sort of like a litmus test for us that we are living in the full benefit of the gospel, all right? And to encourage anybody who maybe are struggling a little bit to attain to everything that Christ has made possible for us, to push through and break through. A lot of the songs we've been singing really speaking about this. Now, there's a lot of stories that we read in the Old Testament that speak about what is to come in the New Testament. You know, and we, we read about Noah and, and how Noah was carried by the ark and delivered from judgment. It speaks to us about the fact that those of us who are in Christ are uh, you know, carried by Christ. We are in him through the judgment of God and delivered out of the other side. And you know, the parting of the Red Sea is such a, uh, a demonstration to us of the way that Christ made a way where there was no way and made a way for us to be delivered from our enemy and the, the, you know, the sea swallowed up the enemy behind Israel as they escaped. Uh, it speaks to us richly about the gospel. Jonah in the whale, swallowed by a fish, you know, and then spat out after three days. And even Jesus said, hey, that's talking about me. That's talking about me. I'm going to be dead for three days and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. It's a sign for you. And another one, you know, these, the reason, there's a reason why these episodes stand out in our thinking is because they resonate with gospel truth and of the person of Jesus and of the work of Jesus. And another very, very strong example of that would be David and Goliath. So I haven't got the time to go through the whole story. I'm going to, I know we mustn't assume these days that everybody knows these stories, but I'm going to, I'm going to be speaking about David in his one-on-one -on -one battle with Goliath and what this speaks to us about the power of the gospel in our lives today. So uh, very briefly, we know the story. Israel was lined up against uh, the, the enemy, the Philistine armies. They were facing each other across the valley. It was an unusual battle. It wasn't the sort of battle where armies just come in and duff each other up they would send one representative. And the Philistines felt they were onto a winner. They sent Goliath, he had all the, the armor. He was a very, very tall man. Israel were terrified of him. Nobody would come from Israel to take on Goliath. And so we know David, he was tending the sheep. His father asked him to come down and take uh, pack lunch to his brothers. And then he heard, and David got to hear about what was going on 
And he was enraged, he was indignant. Who is this guy defying the armies of God? You know, who does he think he is? Someone ought to go down there and sort it out. They're all saying, well, you know, you don't know what you're dealing with here, David, go home. And in the end, somehow David ends up, you know, he makes such a protest about this, he ends up being presented to the king and, uh, and saying, well, I'll go. If no one else is gonna go, I'm gonna go. So they, they, they set him up with the king's armor, which he doesn't feel comfortable with. He says, no, look, you know, I'm, I'm used to uh, fighting light. I can take on bears, I can take on lions, I can take on this guy. I'll go, I'll do it my way. So he, he runs out, he goes and gets some uh, stones, some smooth stones for his slingshot. Don't be deceived. We can sometimes think of that as like a little catapult that we have when we were boys. No, this was a weapon and uh, the, the, the shot. They've actually got some in the British Museum if you ever get a chance to go there uh, that would have been contemporaneous for, for David. Is, is like the size of a sort of a grapefruit, weighs a, a couple of pounds probably. It's quite a heavy thing. And the sling would have been about two meters long. And he would have you know, gradually wound this up to, and then you know, with great skill, would have fired this thing. And so you get a missile coming at quite some speed, hitting Goliath in the middle. Of, you know, it would, knock, it would knock your head off or knock my head off if, if that hit us. Goliath is a big man. It stuns him. He falls face down. David runs over, kills him with Goliath's own sword, and just to make sure, cuts his head off. <laughs> just to make sure he's dead. All right. Now, often we would uh, preachers would position ourselves as David. This is perfectly acceptable. And say so we're like David, and we've got all these Goliaths in our lives. You know, we were singing about you know all the giants in our lives, and how do we take down these giants? That's perfectly acceptable application of this episode. But when we see David as Jesus, and when we see Goliath as Satan, and when we see ourselves as the doomed and helpless Israelites, the power of this story really starts to come through for us. It really starts to come through. David, his story, his emergence as the divinely anointed king of Israel is a rich type for us of the messianic kingship of Jesus as our deliverer. And we see this here. Goliath is the huge enemy that no one can withstand and strikes fear into every heart. He is the devil. Um, Jesus is David, living, learning obedience and trust in God and saying, I come in the name of, of God to bring down and defy the enemy. This is no ordinary battle settled by one representative, just as it was Jesus on the cross against the whole tyranny of Satan, sent by their fathers, learning dependence and obedience. And so we can see how David's decisive victory over Goliath speaks to us of the full and final victory of Jesus over Satan. Do you see this? This is the power of this episode, of this historical event. It's not a story or a fairy tale. This is something that happened in history that speaks to us today about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives today. 
David is Jesus, Goliath is the devil, we are the Israelites, Jesus has won the victory. We are delivered from our enemy to live a free life and rejoice in the benefits of everything that Christ has obtained for us. Just as the Israelites, when they saw that Goliath was dead, they ran down and chased the enemy away, took all the plunder and lived off of all the benefits of David's victory. In the same way, now we live, with, we live off of all the benefits of the victory of Jesus. Do I hear an amen? amen? I've been for about three months in Stockholm in Sweden and just about every other week, I've been preaching in a Swahili-speaking church who are the most enthusiastic congregation you could ever preach to, who cheer you to the rafters when you tell them what you had for breakfast, you know, hallelujah! And now I have to remind myself I'm back in England. I'm sure they're very excited about the full benefits of the gospel of Christ. And <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, I'm not, I'm, you don't have to be all Swahili on me, it's all right. I, I respect your culture. Jesus is the Lord of the nations. We sing this, don't we? His blood has overcome the enemy of our souls. He's our mighty deliverer. Yep. Christ has taken on the enemy of our souls. He's defeated him through dependence and obedience to God. He has cut off his head. For those of us in Jesus Christ, our enemy is headless. Right? He has no authority or power. In the same way that a corpse with no head has no authority or power over Israel, Satan has been rendered powerless. He's been made a spectacle of for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, allow me a Swahili hallelujah for that, okay? The victory is won. Israel then live in the good of that victory. What does it mean for us to live in the freedom of the victory that Christ has won for us? That's really my question today. Christ has won a decisive victory over Satan, the enemy of our souls. Satan no longer has power and authority over us. We are free to live in the good of that. So my question is, are we living in the good of the full and decisive victory of Jesus Christ? Are, we, are you enjoying the full benefit of this? Okay. Now in my pastoral experience, it's not uncommon, you know, it's sadly too common that you see, you find a believer, they put their trust in Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus has died for their sins. They believe, they accept that Christ has won the victory over sin and death. That's true, it's true in their hearts. They sing it and they believe it. He has loosened the chains. He has smashed the lock on our dungeon. He has thrown open the door. He's cleared the path to freedom. And yet, too often I find the believer still sat in the dungeon, still trapped by things that would have trapped them before they met Jesus, still allowing the dungeon master, Satan, to have mastery and power and influence over their lives. When Jesus has cut the head off the enemy for those who are in Jesus. We need to, we need to walk out of the cave, we need to walk out He's won our freedom. We need to walk into that freedom. I won't sing it, but you'll know this. My, my chains fell off. You know the hymn. My heart was free and I rose 
And then I sat back down again. <laughs> I rose and I went forth and I followed thee. I got out of the cage. I walked out. I'm following Jesus now. This is where I'm going. The things that held us captive before we met Christ no longer have that power in our lives unless we allow it to have that power. And it can't take that power from us, but we can give it that power. And part of our sanctifying journey and part of what it means to hand our lives over to Jesus and part of what it means to say that he is Lord of my life and part of what it means to say that I'm going to pick up my cross daily and part of what it means to be a living sacrifice that climbs on the altar every day and part of what it means to sow to the spirit and not to the flesh is to say I am no longer going to allow the enemy to come and plunder my life in this way anymore. I'm not going to allow him to have that power. I'm not going to give him that power. Christ has broken the power of sin he's broken the power of death and we walk free and we live in the good of that victory okay we are acceptable to him we're no longer slaves to sin we're acceptable to God we've got nothing left to prove it's been done it is finished so we get to this verse and this is what I want to do a bit of work on with us today in terms of how do we apply this today okay so this verse, I love, I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Says, I have the, Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. This is a great verse. Come on. Yeah? I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. This is absolutely... This is the litmus test. This is, this is the test for us, the true test of the power of the gospel in my life and in your life. That I have understood what Christ has obtained. That I have understood that he has in every way disempowered my enemy. This is the test of that. I'm not going to be mastered by anything else. Right? Now that Christ is my master... I will not be mastered by anything. <laughs> okay? Now, we're going to get a bit American here. All right, you're going to say it after me, because I want to make sure. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this, all right? Now that Christ is my master, I will not be mastered by anything. Okay? Have you got that? If you remember nothing else, remember this. Now that Christ is your master, Nothing else has the power or authority to master you. So from time to time, it's helpful to do a bit of a self-audit. You know, the Bible says, consider yourself with sober judgment. Think about it. You know. Is there anything in my life that I'm giving power to that is bending me out of shape, that is having some mastery over me that is not out of the heart of Jesus. Because he's my master now. He's my master. And so I'm not going to let anything else master me. So let's have a think about that. Is there anything in our lives that is... Because in a sense, when we give something else mastery, 
where we are putting it in the place of God. We say, okay, well, Christ is my master, but now if I'm allowing something else to have mastery, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it the status of God in my life. Well, you're not my God. This is what, you know, I remember uh, praying with a brother once and we, and, and we were praying about something and he said, you are not my God. He said, you know, he was praying about a certain issue. You are not my God. And it's important for us to be able to bring our hearts into that place that we are in acknowledging that Christ is my master, nothing else can take that place. So what we're going to do now, in whatever time I have, I've no idea how much more time I've got. What time do you finish? In a minute. <laughs> <laughs> five, 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 five or ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know how much more I've got to go here. Okay, here we go. Ten things that I will not be mastered by. Are you ready? Right, we're going, going, going through, I'll go through some of them a little bit slower, then the rest a bit quicker, because we're a bit out of time. But... You are not my God. I'm not going to allow you to have mastery or authority in my life anymore. Number one, sin. Okay? Romans 6.14. Sin shall no longer be your master. Hallelujah. All right? All of us, come on, we're all on this journey together. All of us grapple from time to time with different areas of sin, whether it's some sort of addictive behaviour or whether it's some sort of... uh, uh, stronghold in our thinking or whether it's you know, anger or whatever it might be <clears throat> we all wrestle with this but in Christ none of us will be mastered by sin okay unless you give sin that power you have the choice there was a time you had no choice before you met Christ you had no choice Okay, you ha- it says we were slaves to sin, it says in Romans 6. That means you have to go where sin takes you. If sin says, come over here, well, if you're a slave, you've got to go there. Nothing you can do about it. But now, you know, read it through in Romans 6 for yourself. We are slaves to righteousness. Sin is no longer my master. I don't have to go where sin takes me. So if you are battling, and I'm saying this with tender compassion, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, if you're wrestling with areas of temptation uh, that lead to sin in your life, temptation isn't a sin, Jesus was tempted, but if you're wrestling with areas of sin in your life and you're ashamed and you think if people really knew you know, what I think or what I do, you know, oh, it would be terrible. Well, Satan's got you where he wants you. Sin no longer has mastery over you. You can come out from under that. You know, sort of bad eating habits. You can come out from that. That's what Jesus has obtained. Are you living in the full freedom of what Jesus has obtained for you? Don't sit in the dungeon when Jesus has made a way for you to get out. Sin will no longer be your master. I'm not saying that we we treat sin lightly. Sin can ensnare us. Sin can trap us. Sin can trip us up. But it doesn't have the power it had anymore. I'm not in fear of sin anymore in the way that I was before. It's not, sin is not over me anymore. I'm over sin. So do not allow sin to be your master. If you are allowing that, it's not because you're helpless. It's because you've given Satan power and authority that he doesn't deserve and he doesn't have any more. You've given it to him. Jesus is your master. This will not master you, all right? So I speak to anybody here. I'm not wanting to call anyone out. 
I'm not wanting to bring judgment or shame on anybody or condemnation. I'm bringing conviction and freedom to you. If you're trapped by sinful behavior or sinful thoughts, you have a way out. Because sin is not your master anymore. Jesus has cut the head off your enemy. Are you with me? Yeah? My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Sin is not my master. It's not going to hold me back. Fear is not my master. You know, I think counselling people through fears has sort of gone up and up over the last couple of years, you know, with uh, the season we've been through, fear of... A, a pandemic, fear of the virus against the pandemic, fear of, of what people might think if we do something or what if we don't do something, fear of what a war breaking out suddenly, you know. And I think, you know, this, this season has been very, very heavy on mental health, you know, and I think that is not something that we we take lightly, we take that very seriously among us, you know, in the same way that if someone was, uh, their physical health was impaired, well then, and we would be very attentive to that and compassionate and prayerful, in the same way we would be compassionate and prayerful and attentive to people struggling with mental health issues. And uh, so if, you, if that has been you, I think some of us have really been stretched to a limit over this season. You know, if, if, if you felt, you know, I don't know if I can even hold on here, you know, my thinking, I don't know if I'd hold on. My, you know, I'm thinking things I never thought before. You know, my mental health is, 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 is under huge pressure here. You know, we need to know that, that we have a God who gives us power for a sound mind. All right? It's not positive thinking. It's not that you've got to pull, your th- you know, pull yourself together. God gives us his power. He didn't give us a spirit of fear but he gave a spirit of love and of something else that I can't quite remember, but it was very good, and of a sound mind, yeah? And he says that his power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. What a verse, the power of God. It's not my power, it's not my willpower, it's his power in me enables me to appropriate what is true and he gives me everything I need for life and godliness. You need to hear that tomorrow morning, all right? When you go into the workplace and you've got to face that difficult situation again or when you're, you know, packing the kids off to, to, to school and then coming home and, and thinking crumbs, you know, life is coming in on me a bit here. You, know, you need to understand, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness, his power, okay? That's not about, you know, we're not talking about superpower in the sense of he's given us everything we need to run through walls and leap over tall buildings. No, he's given us everything we need to get through life. Yeah? Life and to live in a godly way that pleases God. He has given us his, his power. Are you with me on this? Because I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of verses I love, but that one I love. It's not my, my willpower. It's, it's God's power. You know? 
So we take things like mental health seriously, but we must not allow fear to master us. We mustn't allow it to master us, and yet we're vulnerable to this. Don't fear, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. We don't always read through to the end of that verse. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You're not living in the full torrent of the love of God if you're being mastered by fear. There's more I could say on that, but what else have we got? Bitterness. Don't let bitterness, resentment, holding on to past hurt, don't let it master you. Don't let it... See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It's a very sobering verse that bitterness in your heart will have an impact on many. You know, It's not just your little thing. Anybody that then interacts with you is going to be impacted by the bitterness that is in your heart. So don't. Allow a bitter root to grow up in in your heart. Embrace the power of forgiveness. So I just want to say this. I'm going to to close in a moment because I know I've gone a little bit over time here. But I just want to say this. To anybody here who is wrestling with a past hurt, someone has grieved you, and I'm not saying that the way they have grieved you is not significant or important, But unforgiveness is toxic for you, not for them, you know? And so you'd have heard this quote where we say that unforgiveness is a poison that you drink hoping the other person will die, you know? Not forgiving someone actually is toxic for you. So anybody here who's wrestling with someone or some situation that has blighted your life and you feel resentful and hurt and bitter about that, my appeal to you is do not allow this to master you. It will bend you out of shape and it will impact the people around you that are dearest to you. So find people you love and trust and say, look, I've got got to get this, I've got to root this out. I've got this out. I do not want to be preoccupied and dominated and mastered by this any longer. And Jesus can set you free. He can. He can do that. Don't let it master you. Don't be mastered by what people say or think. You know, as I was saying in the first service, I shower every day with this verse. Colossians 1.22, he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So every morning, I am without blemish and free from accusation in Christ Jesus. That's where I want to live. I don't want to live thinking, well, I was rubbish yesterday. I'll probably be worse today, you know. Or, you know, these people think I'm rubbish. Oh dear, what does she think about me? What does he think about me? What are they saying about me? Oh, I'm not going to be mastered by that. I can, I can beat myself up well enough without letting anybody else beat me up. You know, I'm pretty good at self-criticism and self-accusation. Oh, but Jesus doesn't accuse me. 
Well, he's the one who can accuse me because I've fallen short of God's holy standards. He says, no. If you put your trust and faith in me, I give you my righteousness. And you are, I see you without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that a great place to live? Come on, come on, think about that. Every morning, wake up, think, whew, nothing. Clear, free from, free from accusation, self-accusation, enemy accusation, perceived accusation of everybody else, all gone without blemish. Wow. Don't let it master you, what people say or think. Don't let guilt master you. Don't let addictive behaviour master you. If the sun sets you free, you will be it's not, don't let loneliness master you, okay? We live in a world that equates singleness with loneliness. Well, the Bible doesn't do that. We have intimacy with the Father. We have the family of God. We have brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. Don't equate singleness with loneliness. Don't let loneliness master you. Don't let low self-esteem or low self-image master you. We've got a God who loves us with an everlasting love. If the most, if the supreme being in the universe thinks I'm okay, I'm okay, all right? Whatever I might think about myself, God thinks I'm okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna line up with his opinion and reject my opinion, all right? Insecurity, don't let insecurity master you. Goodness me, especially if you're a leader, there's nothing more toxic than leading out of insecurity. What is more secure than being in the arms of God. I could not be more secure. Insignificant. I'm brother to the king of heaven. Goodness me, I'm part of the royal family of all royal families. You know, so don't let these things master you. I just really want to appeal to you. And I'm gonna close now in prayer. Much to Luke's relief. <laughs> Shall we pray, all right? Just where you are, I just want to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening and being patient. I pray this is a blessing to you. I just want you to know the riches of your inheritance in Christ Jesus and not to live allowing yourself to be mastered by an enemy who is now rendered powerless. Okay, so let's just open our hands if you feel comfortable doing that, just in surrender to heaven, but also to receive from heaven. I want to pray, Lord God, that... The, 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 the words of Christ will dwell richly in the hearts of my friends here. That he has made a way for us where there was no way. He has conquered our enemy. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has made a way for us to walk free from our selfish, rebellious ways and say to the enemy of our souls, you are no longer my master. You don't have, no, you, I'm not giving you that credit. I'm not giving you that relish to say that you have that area of my life in your grip. No, Satan, I resist you. Resist the enemy, he will flee because he has no power anymore. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we declare, Lord God, the full and decisive victory of Jesus Christ over the lives of those who put their faith and trust in you. That sin will no longer be our master. That bitterness and resentment will no longer be our master. That fear will no longer be our master. That all these things 
will no longer bend us out of shape and lead us where we don't want to go. So I pray, Lord Jesus, for any in this room that you've brought something to light in their heart out of your mercy where we're able to say, no, hang on, I can see that this could be having influence in my life that it doesn't deserve. I pray, Lord, shine a light on those things that we can bring them into the light and put them where they belong. That is behind us and under us. We're not under sin, we're over sin. We're not victims, we're not powerless. No, you have empowered us, power to live everything we need for life and godly living. I pray, pour your power out on us. I pray for any dear sister today who is hearing these words and say, yes, but, this is hard. Yes, but if only you knew. I pray for you, dear sister. I pray the power of God pour out on you. He's not expecting you to hang on for grim life, hanging on by your fingertips. That's not, no, he's saying, no, I am going to flood you and fill you with my power. I pray, just come now, Holy Spirit, draw, draw close to any heart that is fearful, that is feeling vulnerable. I pray for anyone here, you know, that, that has, you have worried about your mental health. You thought, yeah, I don't know if I can hang on here. I don't know how much more I can take. You know, oh, it's okay, we're in this together, all right? We're, all of us have been stretched. And I, I pray for you that you would know the power of God that brings the word of God alive in your heart. It, it brings, you're not just reading, but you're reading a living, life-shaping, life-enriching body of truth that nourishes your heart and emboldens you and strengthens you and you're shielded by the power of God. What a beautiful thought to know that, I am sh- that God's power shields me. You know, I'm, not, I'm not having to somehow protect myself, but what he has obtained in me, he now protects by his power. So I pray for you, the power of God. I pray for the intimacy of his spirit. I pray for a real deep fellowship with Jesus, that you would rejoice in his victory, that you would run with him, that you'd walk out of anything else that would master you or try to hold you back, that you would hold your head up high and say, I am a prince and a princess of the realm of heaven and earth is lucky to have me. I'm here, I'm here as an ambassador of Jesus and this world is fortunate that we're here. This city is fortunate that this church is here because you are bringing the life and the light of the gospel to a helpless and harassed people who think they're doing okay, but we know they're not. What hope have they got? There's not any hope in whether we, blow, we vote blue or red. There's not any hope in psychology. There's not any hope in anything else. The only hope we have is the life that comes through the light of the gospel. And you are the ones bringing that gospel. So walk free, walk tall, do the beautiful works of Jesus in this city and people will honour and praise your God in heaven is what the Bible says. So bless this church, I pray, Lord Jesus. Carry them on, on the adventures that you have for them. Lord, if there's been difficult episodes, let them put that behind them. Let love cover multitudes of sin. Lord, let there be rich forgiveness. Let there be a beautiful striving for unity and peace. 
because God, we're about a great work here and we don't want anything to hold us back or hinder us. And we've, I pray, Lord, deliver these dear people into more and more fruitfulness and future multiplication, that they will send out many more as they've sent out Valter and Simone and Adam and Lorna, Lord, they will send out others with joy and sow into the kingdom and reap a rich harvest and inheritance in heaven. I pray for that, Lord Jesus. You've got great plans in mind for this church. Lord, let them, I pray, walk tall and walk into everything that you have for them. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.